Hey, y'all, guess what time it is? It's the Grolic Saves the World time. All right, the Grolic Saves, saves the, world. the World. That's right. One, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. We're getting fixed. Our worries, our dicks, test us Take off your outdoor shoes, put on your slippers, take off your day pants, put on your pajamas. Your day's over. It's the Grolic Saves the World. It's not going to get better from here. Your day's not going to get better from here. So just relax in your house with us. I'm Adam Caton Holland. My name is Ben Roy. <laughs> and I'm Andrew Orvidal. we're giving dude, you what permission are... <laughs> to quit on the day. What are day pants, dude? You guys don't put on your comfy Kozer pants when you're like, I'm in, I'm in for the night. Kozer pants? Sure. I don't. I, I got a pair of I don't a like sweatpants, Euro joggery pants, and they're so comfortable. And I take off my outdoor pants. I put on my indoor pants, and I urge you all to do it. Outdoor we, pants, uh, indoor pants, day pants, night pants. Boy, <laughs> the labeling system in Adam's closet is just real serial killer shit. A comfy, comfy pair of cozers, he says. <laughs> uh, this is the podcast, of course, where we better the world around us by bettering ourselves, hopefully. By putting on a pair of cozy posers and Just day pants. somersault into some cozers and <laughs> pour yourself some cocoa. Uh, and we and have we, a challenge barreling down the pipe. Do not worry. It's a worry. fun one. This is going to be a fun one. Yeah. Great challenge this episode. And and I guess I'm going to show uh, the listener a little bit how the, the sausage is made. And normally we set up a challenge, then take a week to do it. But we've been working on yeah. this challenge for months. We sort of issued ourselves a mandate. Hey, go work on this on your own. And when it sort of comes to fruition, we'll do an episode about it. Yeah, we this knew it would one, take a This while. one we just knew was going to require some research. But I want to call this before you mention sure. what the challenge is. I'm going to say that the drawbridge, uh, there's going to be no earnestness horn on this one. I have a feeling this is going to be Rift City's drawbridge is down. Mm-hmm. And we are free to riff away on this yeah. one. I mean, that's the default mode of Riff City. Yeah, but, but uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't see a lot of earnestness on this one. But go ahead, Adam. Okay. Well, well you'll uh, be the one to abuse it, so we'll find out. <laughs> earnestness horn. No, just kidding. <laughs> Guess I'll just let the listener know we've been researching our independent lineages, like where our families come from when they got to the United States, and we tried to pinpoint when exactly that was. Find when your family came to the U.S., an immigration story. Not to mention why that was. We not only wanted to know when, but why did they come here? Exactly. And and I guess we're trying to figure out a way to make it an episode. And I recently did a uh, comedy show in Rhino, which is an area called River North of Denver. It is the kind of insufferably hip formerly warehouse district, now just breweries and pot shops and cool graphic design firms. It's it's New Denver and Umlaut U, and I fucking hate it. It's, <laughs> it's, it's everything that's wrong with this city. And I literally said there was a huge window of this brewery, and I got on stage and I was like, guys, if you see a scooter, an e-scooter going by, just yell out. And I was like, that'll be funny for a laugh or two. I couldn't get through my fucking set because people. <laughs> yeah, what were, were you like, thinking? Huh? That's the only way people right. convey down there. That's and in- you did it during migration season. You know that that's when <laughs> bird scooters head south. <laughs> yeah. the Brady's Downhill. and Brints. The Brady's and Brints got to get south. By, well, <laughs> by it, t- it turned into exactly that. I turned my back to the audience. I put my elbows up on the windowsill, and I was like, "Look at this pair of Logans." surfing down Brighton Boulevard. (laughs) And it just turned into that. But it was like everything I fucking hate about Denver. And I recently read a study that the population of Denver is going to double by the year 2050. Double. Oh, my God. And all I can do is just like, I want to move. I want them to get the fuck out. I'm like, not in my city. And I realize I am the NIMBY Republican touting immigration fears for my city of Denver. Like, <laughs> I hate that on the on the national political scale. But when it comes to my town, I'm like, get out. I've been right with, with you there, Adam. Just very mean about all of the transplants to Colorado. But I recently, I don't know if you guys knew this. This is actually kind of tragic. I recently found out 
Those people were actually exiled from their home states for being the most dog shit drivers. I didn't know that. <laughs> Instead of taking away their licenses, they were like, you can't live in our state anymore. You have wow. to go find a new state to live. And with Colorado's permissive laws, they are just flocking here in droves. So it's actually kind of tragic once you know that they're uh, a bunch of dildo-brained dumb fucks who don't know how to drive. Dildo-brained so, dumb fucks. Oh, so it's a, so a shitbag refugee. We're welcome yeah. to shitbag oh, okay. refugees. I want you all town. to know you're talking to one. I didn't grow up here. I moved here in 1999, so 23 years ago. That was ago. so long ago, though, Ben. I think that you skated in. You, you wandered into Denver before pot was legal before oh, yeah. uh, there was this employment boom. Denver was Denver was just Denver in 1999. Ben actually just got sucked up in the dust of Lollapalooza and it carried him <laughs> all the way across the country from Maine to Denver. Like a tumbleweed. I was out, bros. I was following the Warp Tour. You know what I was doing. Oh, yeah. And the bus and left I, without you, dude. <laughs> I, I moved here because my dad had worked here he was high up at a company called Frontier Vision, which was a cable company that was based out of Colorado. And my dad would always say, you got you should move to Colorado. You'll lo you'd love Denver. And hmm. he would tell me that when I was growing up. And so it just it's kind of when you're seven. <laughs> like, Son, seriously, when back. I was in middle school, my dad would come out here and then you sure it was work. He might not. Have, he might have a secret lady out here. Well, <laughs> if my dad wasn't asexual, so my dad is smooth. My dad's smooth down in the parts. Sure. Sure, yeah, sure, sure. it's just a. It looks like the the outside rim of a high life scoop. It is. Oh you wow, know, it's that's, smooth that's, down there. Yeah, that's, your dad's what a reference. I mean, yeah. you can tell Ben's been spending a lot of time in Tampa Bay, <laughs> <laughs> but but has not worked up the nerve to pick up the high life scoops. Just looking at it on the ground, just looking no, at the back. Like, of and that's it. what my dad's jennies look like. Uh, no, my dad came out here quite a bit, and then and then when I came here, I remember in nineteen ninety nine. Or 98 for the first time, I was like, this is where I'm going to live. I, I I actually moved to Boulder, of all places, but then I quickly discovered Boulder sucked, and I moved to Denver, and, and I just can't leave this place. I understand the appeal of the people who are coming here. Well, that I I do too, and that's when and that's why I'm glad we're doing this episode, because I think Andrew and I, having grown up here and remembering it as a shitty, dusty cow town, that I felt like I got to get out of this cow town or it's going to like, or I'm gonna, it's just like dead end. And then it got cooler and cooler and cooler. I think we witnessed, we were like delighted that our town became cool. And then it jumped the shark and everybody fucking moved here. And now we're just yeah. like too cool, too cool. Pump the fucking brakes, but it's too late. It, it's the, the, the dog is off the leash. <laughs> we also wanted to do this challenge as a way of combating the jingoistic anti-immigrant attitudes here in the U.S. Yeah, which seems um, to be kind of a worldwide, maybe not worldwide, but, you know, it's clearly a big problem in Europe, and it's obviously a problem well, here. Yeah, the rise of populism is huge on a global scale, and it's yeah. working with these dictator-like leaders. And I think it's, like, it's interesting because all of us are so anti-jingoism on a national scale. But when it comes to Denver, we're just like, eh, it's okay. Denver, so Denver. I think I think what we need to realize is that we need empathy for people who are moving to a new place. And there's going to be more of it. Yeah, there's only more of it. My parents moved here in the 70s, so I'm just like, oh, cool. Well, I'm, I'm a native. Like, that's so bullshit. Everyone comes from somewhere else. And I think that's why it's interesting that we've done this challenge and done the research to see where our families came from, who probably endured racism and discrimination and all that shit. Right. As everyone who immigrated to the U.S. did. Here's what I think uh, we had agreed to do, and correct me if I'm wrong. I will. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have you not heard the pod before, dude? Okay. We're but, ready. Uh, <laughs> but we go back. Uh, we're going to look back through our ancestry, through our genealogy, and try to go back and pinpoint as best we can. And this is obviously pretty difficult at points. Uh, where our when and where our ancestors came here, uh, and, why? and and why? What were they doing? Why did they come to the U.S. Um, and report back with that, and uh, and let's see uh, if there's anything surprising. What kind of weird shit is in our past? And I think um, the goal is for me and Andrew to have more empathy for these new Denver transplants. I like appreciate this. that. 
even 22-year-old boys named Trevor have a tale to tell. Hey, and they follow our podcast. And they follow our podcast. The Trevor's in the title. God, I hate this already. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I am curious to know about your dude's lineage and uh, and share some of mine as well. So this will be your an interesting dude's challenge. lineage. A guide um, to your family tree. Okay. <laughs> well, without further ado, as a little a hint to what mine will be. Oh, uh, why don't Littles? we do this? Why don't we take a quick break? Oh, Ben, Ben, Ben. But before we do that, I have got to tell you what people are saying about our podcast. Oh, I love this. I the love when you do this, Adam. I love this. I love in. this so goddamn much. Okay. You know we love it when you rate and review our pod. It helps us in the algorithms. It helps us in the matrix. And as a way of encouraging you to please do that, we'd like to share some of them right here on the pod. This review, five stars, <laughs> Natch, is by somebody <laughs> named Jason W666. Hail Satan, Jason. Thanks for reviewing. His review says, I love this podcast. And he writes, I want to take it to a motel on a rotary with a six-pack of IPA and a Dave Matthews playlist and play Dungeons & Dragons for 12 hours. That's how much I love this podcast. Wow. Beautiful. Wow. Yeah. What's that a motel on a rotary? Ben well, referenced one, one Yeah, time. that was where I uh, tried to scoop a shorty up. I used to take the ladies yeah. there. Point being, Jason pays attention. <laughs> I clearly don't. Jason pays attention, more than Andrew even. <laughs> and the best part is, that reference is from a live episode. He's referenced a live taping with Shane Torres. That was you all so know, fun. I've never been to a live taping. We use my double for that, so that yeah. explains it. <laughs> Jason, thanks for listening to all the episodes and digging deep into them, and uh, we really appreciate your review. And if you feel like reviewing us, please go ahead; it helps us tremendously, and maybe we'll even read it on air. Oh, <laughs> what a boon that'd be for you! <laughs> all right, well, why don't we do this? Why don't we? Uh, why don't we? Close that little uh, that little picnic basket of fun. Get out of here, Yogi Bear. The picnic <laughs> basket's closed. Hey, 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 boo boo. And then why don't we? Why I want to get we... off this show. I got to get off this podcast. <laughs> Bye, Andrew. <laughs> See you guys. From our live show, we have some stand-up comedy. Our, our live show is the last Saturday of every month at the world-famous Bug Theater. We had people from out of town come and see it. If you get a chance, come make the pilgrimage. See us. It's a ha-ha-haj. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. Anyway, come and see us. Uh, this comic, she is so funny. She's been crushing it around Denver. We have no doubt you're going to know her name nationwide very soon. A, a personal favorite of all of ours. Everybody, please enjoy Miriam Moreno. And when we come back, uh, we will have properly dug into our past and we will be more connected with who we were and who we are. So stay tuned. <laughs> Can you guys see my period? I've been holding it in for a couple hours. Um, this guy on the internet said that's how it works. Just like urine. Uh, I'll get this out of the way. I know you guys are wondering. I never experienced domestic abuse. It was always imported. Because um, I myself am an import. Growing up, I used to get called whitewashed a lot. Kids would be really mean. You know, it's not my fault. I don't have an accent. I was exposed to Chumbawamba at an early age, so I feel like <laughs> that had a lot to do with it. Um, and not to sound like a Mexican hipster, but my dad was murdered by a cartel before it was cool, so... Yeah, you guys can laugh at that. My dad laughs at that all the time. <laughs> From his grave, where he's super dead, so... Super dead. <laughs> Growing up, I always thought I'd be a single mom because my mom was a single mom. You know, my dad was murdered. Uh, my, <laughs> my other grandpa was murdered. My other grandpa had skin cancer, but then he shot himself, so I guess he beat skin cancer. <laughs> it's Mexican healthcare for ya. Just a lot of DIY. Um, <laughs> Hey, do you love the Grolic Saves the World, but are sad because you're not getting enough of it? Boy, do I. Well, great news. You can get all sorts of bonus content on our Patreon. Like what? Tell them, Ben. Act 4. Ad-free episodes, birthday shout-outs, exclusive merch, stronger, more painful erections, our pod within a pod, boy crazy, decreased A1C levels, photos and videos, bonus content, and so much more. Okay, I'll do it. No, <laughs> kick to me. Say, how do I, how do, I do it? How do I sign up? We're not trying to sell it to you, Andrew. You don't have to. Jesus. Oh, well, I mean, it sounded good. Okay, how do I sign up then? 
fuck it. You can sign up now by visiting patreon.com forward slash Grolic Saves. I do want to sign up. (laughs) (laughs) We are back through the magic of podcasting. It's mere moments later. We've got our immigrant (laughs) stories researched. We know when our ancestors came to the U.S., and I think there's going to be a lot here. And I think it makes sense to go with who's the least removed from that. And Andrew, being 104, (laughs) was on the boat. Yeah. And so we're getting a first-person look through his eyes. Exactly. This is, in essence, his biography. I volunteered to go first, and I regret it. And I think people are just clamoring for the Scandinavian diaspora story that is Andrew Orbidal. (laughs) So... How did you you get here? What was it like to to come here in a wooden clog? Good one, dude. All right, let me go. In front of a wooden clog. (laughs) Okay. All right, Andrew, what did you figure out? So, before we get into this, I did want to take a quick minute and acknowledge something as three white people oh, yeah. looking into our family trees is just kind of like, hoo-hoo, hey, this is interesting. What? Yeah, yeah. I never knew that. Uh, and for a lot of Americans, that could not be the case. They yeah. they might not be able to even find their family history. They might find yeah, it incredibly infuriating, incredibly upsetting, right, right, right. Um, incredibly sad. So I did want to acknowledge that this experience could definitely be different for different people for sure. before we uh, before we get into ours. But okay, cool. I was a little dismayed. I, a lot of my uh, family tree turned out to be dead ends. Just uh, <laughs> that people were like, "Oh, we don't know. We don't know where those people came." Yeah, that's what Milo Roy says. Ron. (laughs) Fuck off. (laughs) Ron. uh, Just a lot of cul-de-sacs in uh, the old family tree. Uh, Producer Ron, though, totally hooked us up with a a fascinating and a bit morbid tool called findagrave.net. You can pop in a relative's name, find out information about them, start tracing it back. So I used findagrave.net, and I found information about relatives I didn't know about. I found out uh, about some of my relatives having relatives that they didn't tell me about ever, Whoa. like half-siblings and shit. Whoa. Yeah, that's great. That was crazy. Uh, but on my mom's side, I managed to trace back my mom's 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 mom. <laughs> mom's 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 mom. That's how you say it. That uh, is an yeah. area of pornography I have explored. The milf. <laughs> 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 yeah, you like that sepia tone, uh, tintype style. Uh, it's a real milf. Uh, unnatural okay. fast motion uh, moving picture. <laughs> Hell yeah. It's like a silent film. Yeah. <laughs> Is that Buster Keaton in the background? <laughs> um, and then when the sex happens, it's just a train going into a tunnel. Uh, she moved uh, to the U.S. from Scotland. She immigrated from Scotland. Scotland. Uh, wow. She was of the Scottish clan Ogilvy to the degree that her last name was Ogilvy. Um, and so I also got some uh, some history on my Scottish clan, which I was vaguely aware of anyway, but I didn't know all, all the particulars of it. Uh, they're sort of like a lesser known Scottish clan, but I like... Um, <laughs> My Scottish clan's war cry is to the end, which is such a <laughs> mediocre uh, war cry. It's just like, let's wrap this up. Like, uh, I don't know if we're going to win, uh, but can we just get to the end? Can we like be done with this already? <laughs> I, I think it's more triumphant. I think they're fighting the whole way. Yeah, they, they take the it end. to the end. But yeah. it also, when you put you in the context of it, it's very much like, can we get to the end of this? Uh, I kind of like we- to the middle and then we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Let's reevaluate in the middle of this battle if we can. Be pragmatic. Maybe they're uh, kicking our ass and we retreat. So yeah, she immigrated and ended up in Wyoming, and that bums me the fuck out. <laughs> to go from the green hills of Scotland to Wyoming must have been just an absolute an absolute <laughs> emotional dumpster. I, okay. I am curious, Andrew, about that. Why to Wyoming? Like, why? What yeah, button? unfortunately, I don't know. That was one where uh, they didn't know why she came okay. here. So, so Wyoming. Whatever the reason, you know she was disappointed. <laughs> Judging by the time frame, 
just reading history a lot and Western history, there's a very good chance that they got uh, a, a, a sizable plot of land um, because they, the, the U.S. was encouraging people to homestead the West and they were giving yes, out. Yes, which is a good segue to my dad's side of things <laughs> where uh, – <laughs> no, I'm serious. Uh, yeah, oh. My dad's a dad. They're, they're from Norway and no one is sure when they came over. It was uh, the early 1800s. But yeah, they were offered um, homesteading in the Dakotas. So they ended up in the Dakotas from Norway. Again, just what a what an absolute kick in the dick uh, <laughs> going from Norway to the Dakotas. I mean, the Dakotas are pretty. Compared to Norway? Not really. But... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but I'm I mean, sure it's not that simple. It wasn't like, we prefer the Dakotas to Norway. Yeah. I'm sure it was extreme poverty and yes, opportunity. Yes. And, the, and then the ancestor I know the most about immigrating is my grandma, Julia, who immigrated here from Italy. Oh, I had no idea. Scottish, Italian, and Norwegian? Ron, if you could give us a little of the old country. Ooh, that's <laughs> She's nice. She's from a little... A uh, little fishing village, Bari, in Italy. Ooh. And apparently her uh, mother, no one knows. This is the, it's one of these two things. She was either married to an abusive man or her husband died. Somehow that it never got crystallized, which of those two. But in either case, she moved to New York City and she left her daughters uh, behind in Italy until she could get settled. So... Uh. Uh, I have no, no one knows like who the daughters were left with or what, like if, did the village take care of them? I have no idea. But eventually the mom in New York uh, got a job and an apartment and she sent for her daughters and they came over on a boat and they entertained the wealthy passengers by singing. They got to, they were, they were great little singers. So they were invited up into the. Oh, just like you. So the apple doesn't, <laughs> yeah. really doesn't fire <laughs> Yeah, on that cruise, they invited me up to the to the uh, the yeah. first class cabins to sing. <laughs> but no, but even just Will Adam and I will be in our cozers, and old Andrew stands in front of us and sings just a, a regular nightingale. Tune. I'm just picturing the uh, the movie, the commercial movie of Andrew's life in this origin story, and those young Italian girls are singing on the boat, and they kind of close their <laughs> eyes and think about the future and the opportunity that America provides. It's just a dream sequence of Andrew doing stand-up comedy on a cruise for metalheads. Yeah. And like, this is why there go. It's like the same across generations. It's all worth it. It's all going to be worth it down the road. Uh, so, yeah, they, they came over on the boat, and then they, they joined their mom in New York. And uh, they lived in this apartment in New York, and they'd never s seen a toilet before or, like, plumbing uh, so they would spend all day long flushing every object that would fit down the toilet in their mom's <laughs> apartment. That's all they would do all day. They were fascinated by that toilet. That's but, just like when I was in jail. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. similar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a hell of a way to lose a wedding ring. And I, I know you regret it, but... Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so that's how uh, my grandma came over. Um to join her mom who was fleeing either an abusive husband or was just leaving a dead husband. No, no one knows. Uh, but yeah, she, she ended up uh, becoming an, an actress and, and a singer, a, a play actress. That's cool. And yeah, yeah, that's really cool. So uh, yeah, that's about all I could really, I mean, that's really dig pretty up. great. I mean, you found quite a bit. That's really cool. You know, the, what the bummer is with having uh, an Italian grandma, it's like, pretty hard for me to get citizenship but if i had an italian grandpa i would just be no pun intended grandfathered in i could have italian citizenship really there's some weird sexist double standard where it's like an italian grandpa that's not easy to come by but these italian women they were just spawning like salmon jesus christ <laughs> like what the fuck it should be the same can't believe uh, italians are sexist i cannot yeah, believe I there's a history of sexism it's, so in shocking. it's just stunning well that me. was that was super interesting the orphodols and then uh what was the clan name again the ogilvy ogilvy's yeah, yeah ogilvy's. sounds like sounds like ogilvy's orvidals you name it yeah all the o's well that's weird great, how similar dude. those are and they're in the separate sides of the family good well, work 
I think I'll go next if that's right. I, th- I feel like Ben's got yeah. some real skeletons we might be saving for later. <laughs> oh, come on. Yeah, sure. Probably. What's yeah. up? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like it's it's interesting with family because you've heard these sort of legends, and you, and you but you just sort of accept them as fact. You don't research them yourself. So I know about, like, my dad's dad's side, and I know about my mom's dad's side and my mom's mom's side, but I never knew about my father's mother's side, like my grandmother's side. And there's this book that my, would sit on my dad's like shelf growing up, and he'd, he'd say it was by my grandfather. He's like, my grandfather wrote that book. And I, was, I just was like, okay, whatever. I didn't know that grandfather. I didn't know his mom. She died before I was born. So I just like, I didn't really care. It wasn't real to me. And then I think I picked it up once and I tried to read it and it was very dry. And I was like, okay, whatever. Someone in my family wrote that book. For this challenge, I picked it back up again. And it's called The Pack Peddler. I'm looking at it right now. It's like this hardback cool. book. It's called The Pack Peddler what? by W. Lee Provel, William Provel, who's my great grandfather. And so, like, it's this fucking crazy story about his life as a pack peddler, which is like the coolest term. But it's basically like just salesmen, just guys who put shit on their back, on their pack, and went around and peddled it in rural areas. And these would be like what? like shit that they needed, like matches and buttons and swaths of fabric and just a general store that was mobile. Okay. And this dude wrote a story about that life. And like he moved, they immigrated to the U.S. when he was eight from Poland, and I had no fucking idea I was Polish. No one ever said that to us, ever. Like, if you asked me my ancestry, I knew one side's Ukrainian, the other side's Irish. That's all I fucking knew. But here's this guy being like, I was born in this really shithole little town in Poland. And then they moved to the U.S. His father moved to the U.S. for opportunity. His father was a, a rabbi, a Jewish rabbi, and they were. he moved here, just similar to Orvidal. They left this guy who wrote the book behind for a few years, got some money, brought them over, and they moved to New York City. Cue gangs of New York, New York City oh, tenement Ron, music. Yeah, let's fire that up. Oh, that oh. is nice. That's that exactly is nice. what we're talking about. I'm a poor immigrant finding my way. And then <laughs> they moved to upstate New York. And they let, and so his dad was a rabbi. They were dirt poor. And so William Provel, from like an age of six on, would just strap on his pack and off he'd go for hundreds of miles away, selling for weeks on end, just like trying to earn a buck. And then he'd come home and give that money to the family. I read this whole book, and it's like some Forrest Gump, big fish shit. Like you would not believe the stories that he just casually tosses aside. Like there's one story that there was a, a Indian reservation, a Native American reservation in upstate New York. And they had a rumored, it was rumored that they'd found like a giant buried. It's so turn of the century, like a giant was found buried there and, and they wanted, he wanted to go see it. So he goes to sell to that area, a blizzard hits. He gets like knocked off his little sleds, freezing to death. And a native boy like rescues him and he's feverish and they just nurse him back to health for a week and then he just reemerges back at home. They thought he was dead. They're like, oh, you're alive. Great. Go back out and sell some more. And it's just <laughs> story after story after story like this. It's the craziest shit. Like, at one point, they moved to Brooklyn, and he sells newspapers on the corner like a straight-up newsie. And this kid gets into it, and he's like, this is my territory. And there's, like, <laughs> they fist fight, and all the newsies are, like, cheering him on. Oh, my god! It's just the, every great. chapter has story after story after this, like, of, of William Provel. So it was fascinating, uh, the pack pet. You've got to adapt that into a screen pipe. This sounds great. Yeah. And, I, and what's really funny is my dad has always had this tendency to just, like, el- embellish. And he's always mm-hmm. got these crazy stories. And we're like, that didn't fucking happen. Like, my dad <laughs> swears that he picked up Eric Clapton hitchhiking on acid. We're like, that didn't fucking happen. You're just... <laughs> You, you're caught up in a 60s thing. You're Do you know how many dudes like Eric looked, Clapton in the 70s? Do you know how many dudes looked like Eric Clapton <laughs> yeah. in the 70s? Exactly. Dad, come like, on. Or my dad was at like a, a draft resistance thing at UCLA and like hung out with Muhammad Ali. You're like, it didn't fuck it. You're, it's Forrest Gump. You're Forrest Gumping your life. Then you read this book and you're like, I think maybe all your ancestors just had crazy fucking stories like this. 
So that is yeah, wild. It's, it's such What's a his name treasure. again? Um, William Provel. Hmm. And so, I, looked, I looked it up. Sorry, I'm just talking and talking. Go ahead. Ben. No, 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 no. That's no, what a podcast is. <laughs> I, I, I looked it up and like this book is pretty well known in sort of like academic Jewish circles. Like certain schools oh, really? have used it as like emblematic of the the Jewish American immigration story. Just like so, this is your dad's grandfather. My dad's grandfather, William. Your great grandfather. My great grandfather. Wow. So like 1880s, he immigrates from Poland to the U.S. And he and, you know, then obviously gives birth to your dad's mom. Yeah, Estelle. Estelle okay. Hall, or Estelle Provel, who became Estelle Holland and, and then had my dad. Gotcha. Uh, and she died before my dad was born. So it's kind of fascinating, like, if you're dead, and probably you're the woman in a sort of sexist period, your story is just not really told at all. So I just knew nothing about this side of the family to the fact that I didn't even know I was Polish. So that's just crazy to learn that. Yeah, to me. and that's, that's the real tragedy here. I think Ben would agree is just now finding out you're Polish when we missed out on making Polak right. jokes back when right. it was Thank fashionable, you. and now we can't. Now we can't. Do can. you know that growing up, the only joke books I had on my shelves <laughs> was dirty Polak jokes? <laughs> and uh, I, I mean, I, I could have uh, first, for instance, uh, what do Polish women and hockey no. players have in common? <laughs> no. Okay, I won't. I'm sorry. I won't. <laughs> but I do know quite a few of them. If you want to know the answer, oh, I'll never get tired of white on white racism. It will always be funny to me. <laughs> look, Calling look, Irish look. people potato heads. As I, a straight I love it. white man, for me to have another just tread upon something to cling at is huge for me. So I can claim <laughs> Judaism. I can claim Polish racism. I'm really shining right now, guys. I, I mean, that's fascinating. And I'd like to read that book, actually. It's very fascinating. And it's it becomes like he gets really wealthy. And it becomes it's it's interesting because he's just like, this is the opportunity that America provided. But the dedication yeah. is beautiful. I got to read you the dedication. It's a sentence long. And then I won't, I won't go more. Dedicated to the memory of the vast army of courageous pack peddlers by the son of one of them. <laughs> like, that's, oh, that's cool. It's so yeah. I didn't know but, that pack peddlers was a thing, but yeah, I guess I, I guess it makes sense. But yeah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think what a, what a crazy endeavor just wandering around with a huge ass pack full of, I mean, odds you and think ends. about when you think about what, what, what a, a person from El Salvador or a person from Honduras or whoever who comes to the U S and pushes around an ice cream cart when they get here or makes a lote on the on the street in Los Angeles. This becomes their pack peddling. This becomes their story later on when they write their memoir and their kids are successful, uh, you know, uh, uh, American citizens generations down. They go, my 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 great great grandfather used to make flavored corn on the side of right. the road in, yeah. in Los Angeles and has these crazy stories that uh, that's to me the connection that this is a process we've been repeating over and over again. Yeah. For, sure. Lot of, um, for sure. A lot of people don't know this, but the first pack peddler to settle down was Henry Bodega. I don't know if you guys know that. <laughs> Andrew, but. why don't you take a minute for a second? <laughs> You're you welcome. Gather, You're you want welcome. to gather yourself, Andrew, to come back stronger after that? Or? Why don't you go? No, no, maybe I'm go good. S- why don't you, you guys go good, so good to go with the podcast <laughs> still? You, you don't need a minute? <laughs> I'm here. That was I'm so here. dumb. He was so proud of himself the way he walked into that. You know, actually, Jasper Seven Eleven was one of the first. <laughs> one of the first. <laughs> Johan Hobby Lobby was one of the. <laughs> You're such an asshole, Andrew. It was. I wish you could see the video of how proud he, he was. was. He, posed. <laughs> he posed in pride. He took a minute. He took a still shot. I meant to say it earlier, and I forgot it, and I remembered, and I was proud that I remembered it. I was like, so "Oh yeah, I'll make that joke." Dumb. Um, so anyway, that's my really that's fascinating a good one. Discovery. I like it, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, ben, what do you got? <laughs> so um, <laughs> I've known a lot about uh, my family history and heritage. I, I grew up. I, I think I've talked about this at, before on here that I I, I French. I at grew length up. ad nauseum. Yeah, my 
parents didn't speak English uh, when they started school. They, that was their second language. They spoke French almost primarily or entirely. Your parents' uh, second language was English? Both yeah, of them? My parents, did, yeah, didn't speak English when they started school. No shit. They I spoke didn't... French. Franco-Americans or French-Canadians coming to the U.S. was uh, is an immigrant story. I mean, it is – they uh, – 900,000 – uh, Franco-Americans came into the U.S. between like 1860 and 1930 to work in the mills because the U.S. was now in the Gilded Age and was like it, factories were exploding everywhere. Uh, they they started coming here on the Grand Trunk Railway, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> the band Grand Funk Railroad was a play on Grand Trunk Railway. Yes. And it was a train service that ran between Montreal to parts of Vermont and Maine. And so looking back, I've known this history, My my especially my dad's side. They're very proud of their Franco heritage um, because it was like being Irish in the Northeast. In fact, uh, we were so hated, the French Canadians, when they came, they were called the the N-words of the Northeast. That's what they called uh, French Canadian people or Franco-Americans. Um, so there was this feeling in my family to very like there's a very insular community of French Canadians in Maine. And um, I traced it back. My aunt helped me trace some of these back to when they came to North America, to the maritime region, to northeast Canada, around Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, and uh, around Quebec City. And uh, there's some interesting cats. Uh, they were uh, <laughs> the last name was Parent or Parent. And uh, there's a few of them. Uh, my aunt was telling me about one of them um, who came here. Uh, they were, they did own slaves, which was uncommon for Canadians. Okay, they actually okay. enslaved first slave French, owner of the episode. French, they actually enslaved fellow French Canadians. Holy shit. Uh, yeah. And one of them, I'm told, supplemented his income by shooting dolphins. That was his, <laughs> on the St. Lawrence waterway, he shot dolphins for money. Jesus fucking God. Wait, wait, wait. To like, to get the dolphin meat? Or these dolphins yeah, yeah. were hounding the uh, Or is this just like a show that he put on? Like, <laughs> no, I don't. So his, was he like a buck says I can hit that one. Like a busker? <laughs> I, I mean, from know. what you just described, it sounds like the entertainment of the time period. <laughs> yeah, it was, that was common on the St. Lawrence waterway to hunt beluga whale to to, sure, uh, and sure. to hunt porpoises, and he shot. Uh, um, yeah, he, he, he shot dolphins. Slave owner of his fellow ethnicity who shoots dolphins. Dolphin shooting slave owners. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a pretty low on the <laughs> yeah. on the the rung of, yeah, of terrible not, things. I'm not trying to Our, shit on your family, but if we were sitting around a writer's room, be like, let's make this guy fucking awful. What can we? What can yeah. we do? My would be like, too broad. That's too much. Do we need the dolphin shooting? That's so crazy. I mean, slaves are already so me, bad. How about he just kicks dogs? Told, my aunt told me that another one came here from France, uh, was like uh, a, a, like this known just Lothario, like who now we're talking. Uh, loved the ladies and was an adulterer and took out bad loans all over the place. <laughs> and then he eventually died after he was shot when he was found in bed with the wife of one of his creditors. <laughs> Hell yeah. She said that he was killed by the guy he owed money to fucking his wife. Wow. Uh, wow. What that's a guy. some Roy uh, shit. <laughs> but uh, those are in the late 1600s, early 1700s. People, I, I have a relative that came here um, from Belgium uh, it, we, there's some Belgium, Belgian person in there. He actually fought in the war of 1812 on the side of the British and he was a sergeant of music. That was his position in the military. Fight was, them with music. <laughs> <laughs> they send out the marching band first. <laughs> he's just in the front of the line. If he's my relative, he's in the front of the line going like the Bodies hit the floor. Let the bodies hit the floor. Tuba kicks in. Yeah. <laughs> he was the first person to like pioneer psychological warfare through music. So all night long, he's blasting it. Definitely. Van Halen's. Yeah. It's like Panama. classic music. <laughs> this will drive him out. 
my mom my mom's side is harder to track it's a much it's a much more difficult story with my mom side to track uh her ancestry they did just, some bad stuff so yeah they didn't really talk about it <laughs> no the, the all that other part, stuff out in the open yeah. ben's mom's side yeah, really no, had my, mom's side, my mom's side is a lot harder to track because they are acadian french they were fleeing british persecution when the border for maine was drawn uh they f- fled the, they were pushed out of the maritime region by the british and a lot of them may have actually already lived in Maine for a long, long time. But the they were Canadian citizens only in that that's where the border was drawn. And then um, the the border in the late 18, I think in the 1840s for Maine was pushed up. And a lot of them just inadvertently became American citizens. So they may have been in. But my dad's side, I found who came here, was actually my great-grandfather. Um, I'm, I'm only third generation uh, my great grandfather, just like the pack uh, peddler guy, were just one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, they were born. Uh, my 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 dad's paternal side was Joseph Roy. He was born in St. Louis province of Quebec, Canada. Uh, he arrived on the Grand Trunk Railroad. Uh, his listed occupation on his immigration sheet was shoemaker. That was what? his. Get out of here. Yeah, Get that's here. what it says. It says shoemaker. Wait, and for I, our listeners who don't know this, Ben's character on Those Who Can't was named Billy, Billy shoemaker. shoemaker. And we just came up with that because it sounded working class, like a yeah. profession. Wow. And so when I look at my uh, my uh, great-grandfather, whose my middle name is after, my middle name is Joseph, I'm named after him, uh, his listed occupation is as a shoemaker. He was a jack-of-all-trades. I found these amazing photos of him. He did taxidermy. Uh, he owned a photography studio, which was pretty rare back then. He did f- portrait photography. He was a musician. He played uh, saxophone. So I found all these amazing photos, and he's always turned to one side because his face was badly disfigured on a on a paper press at a mill. Ugh. And so he only showed one side. His wife, who came here, was Edward Dean Bondi. Sure. She came here, and she was just a housewife because she had fifteen fucking kids. Whoa! Uh, and so get that stray cat fixed. God damn! <laughs> oh my God. Uh, that's my mom, my dad's paternal side. On my dad's maternal side, uh, his grandfather was the first to arrive. His uh, was Jean Baptiste Marcotte. That's the guy uh, does music for Colbert, right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Jean-Baptiste is a very common French name, obviously Jean the Baptist. He was born in Lavenue, Quebec, Canada in 1886. He arrived here at Island Pond, Vermont. And I found for both of them uh, immigration sheets of them renouncing King George and that they had no allegiance to it. And that they weren't polygamists, like basically renouncing. I'll we'll put it up. My family said it was all right. We'll put it up on Patreon so you can see it. He was a playwright uh, and a director of theater, of French theater, and a very well-known producer of French plays. He actually started this thing called Le Cirque de Canadien, which was a drinking club. Yes, and. And in Lewiston, Maine, and they used to just party hard and have plays. That sounds and, awesome. Yeah, they were great. And his wife was Aurore Parent, and she was a noted feminist of the time. Uh, she wore her hair short. She typically wore – she was known to wear pants, which was uncommon for that time. She worked – she made more money than my grandfather. She worked in fashion. No, oh, that had to be a hard pill to swallow and fucking <laughs> – And she was an actress. <laughs> she was an actress and a, and a concert pianist as well and uh, ended up teaching my grandmother, who I found all these amazing ads uh, in papers for my grandmother holding these recitals. I basically come from a very long line of artists and musicians and alcoholics. You totally do. And uh, so it's weird how I got here, you know? Um, I'm still wondering where I got the side of me that loves jujitsu. That's the big <laughs> one. <laughs> Probably well, the dolphin I feel like killer. That's the, the sergeant. <laughs> <laughs> the dolphin killer. Are you related uh, to uh, famous hockey goal- goalkeeper Bernie Perron? Uh, I am not. I don't, I'm a famous I don't. goalkeeper Patrick Waugh. I am. He is a like a third cousin of what? Oh. Are you serious? Ditto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, 
you're talking about Canada. Just to give you an idea, 900,000 Canadians uh, my, immigrated to the U.S. fleeing uh, the economic crisis there or persecution from the British. If that gives you an idea, nowadays, if they had stayed, that would have meant four to five million more people in Canada's population, which is not small if you consider that there's only, what, 30 million Canadians. That would have been 20 to 15 to 20 percent of their population increased by the number that moved from Quebec province to here. It was a massive influx. Um, and they brought arts and they brought culture. And the crazy part is Lewiston, Auburn, where they moved to, had areas called Little Canada. And when I was Rough growing up, there was a Lewiston. <laughs> and, <laughs> and what's crazy is now there's a large influx of Somalians moving in there. There's 10,000 Somalians that have moved into the Androscoggin area, into the Lewiston-Auburn area. And there was a lot of anti-Somali sentiment because they spoke different languages, because their culture was different. They were worried that crime would increase. The same things the Irish faced when they came here. They put that upon the Franco-Americans when they came here. And now the French Canadians started putting that on the Somalians when well, they move here. And that's, that's the process. That's the American. Yeah, exactly. And that's what's going on today is like all these people who are like, whatever, I was here four generations ago, so I count more, is, are shutting the borders down. And me and Andrew, you know, we're over here in Denver saying, get the fuck out. Yeah, yeah. And it's guys like me and Andrew that need to take a cold, hard look in the mirror and welcome uh, these vaping... <laughs> dolphin shooting. Dolphin shooting. E-scooter. Dog shit driving. Dead-eyed graphic designer. <laughs> what do you have against Z's. graphic design? Real estate <laughs> gobbling up... Uh, yeah, <laughs> warehouse frequenting. No, but I think that does raise the point that uh, there does seem to be a key uh, uh, common denominator in a lot of these stories, and that is opportunity. the The opportunity at something better. Granted, some of Ben's relatives were like fleeing something bad, but for the most part, it was like, "Hey, I have an opportunity to live in a new place, to work yeah. in a in a." in a new area to maybe try to make more money and get myself out of All this of poverty. All of our stories were the same. They were of people trying to make some sort of a better life. And every single one of ours in the past had parents leaving either children or children leaving siblings back wherever they came from until they could be here which the, is unimaginably sad and hard which that is what is people terrifying. do nowadays all over the world they have to leave yeah. uh their families behind they try to get a foothold in a, in, in a new area and then they you know they want to bring their family up and uh, we've never known that i could not imagine things being so bad yeah, that you'd leave your kids i would say you know what kiddo i'm gonna be gone for three years until I, I can come and get you. Like, I can send for you. I no, can't you imagine. send for him and he'll that be coming kind of, over by himself on a ship. Yeah, I mean, and and when you talk to members of the Ethiopian or Eritrean or Somalian community in, in, in Denver, you hear stories like that. I've had numerous conversations where they say, my wife and son, are, they're back in Ethiopia. Like, I, I can't imagine making that sacrifice. It has to be bad. And the fact that this place is a beacon or people feel like uh, this is a place where they can get ahead and hopefully provide something better. I mean, we all have that in our past. I don't know. It's uh, it was very eye opening. And uh, I'm I'm shocked at both of yours. That's with yours. I would have never guessed any of that. Well, I got to say, I'm a little more shocked by yours. <laughs> well, <laughs> the dolphin shooting is a it was a St. Lawrence thing. You know, the waterway. It, it was, was a thing. Those then. dolphin the dolphins are the problem in that waterway. They <laughs> are breeding like rats. They pickpocket. I'm co-signing it. I think it's cool. My aunt has actually written a couple novels about this, uh, about it. Um, it. They're called the on one. Their first one is called the enclave. And it's about uh, French Canadians coming here. Uh, and it's a fascinating story because it is a, one of the bigger migrations of peoples to the U.S. Uh, that is just not talked about, but shaped the Northeast, shaped Boston, upstate New York, Vermont, New Hampshire. I mean, it would not be what it is without 
the French Canadian population, the Franco American culture that's there. And you hear more about the Irish, you know, and, and other groups, but you don't hear about this almost a million people crossing the border in a very short amount of time. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. But um, to, what do you think? This make this challenge. It's very interesting. This is one of the most interesting challenges I think we've done in terms yeah. of being interested in what you guys were talking about. Um, yeah. <laughs> so you, you actually came around for this one and, yeah. and found it think, to be enjoyable and interesting, huh, Andrew? I think I might remember this one. Okay. Like, if this one Great. is referenced, like, in a, like, down the road, I think I'll remember this one. Um, how, what do you think? Good? I mean, obviously, I hate asking this because it feels silly, but, I mean, did this make us better people? I mean, for me, 100%, yes. Knowing this... No, yeah. hopefully it makes you more empathetic. It's a form of education. It's educating yourself on uh, where you came from and your family members and, the and again, those reasons why they may have done that, which can give you a, a better empathy to know people thyself. who could be in similar situations. Yeah, and I think the empathy of it's key. I don't think any of us needed empathy on an, in terms of hardcore immigration. I think we're all pretty yes. like, hey. For people coming America's- to America – I am absolutely, absolutely on board. But uh, what that. about but what about what we started off with to the Bradens and the the, the Bradens on Brighton? <laughs> I don't know. I can't say that this experience has softened softened. Yeah. Right, but it has only reminded me of the uh, steely opportunism uh, that America dangles in front of people's face to uh, to make them to make them think they're making the right choices. I think I have nothing but empathy for immigration from another country to the u.s however white 20 something immigration between united states cities i have no empathy make it illegal (laughs) close these borders zero empathy for it i'm not interested in your narrative i don't think it's funny the only (laughs) shining light is that perhaps you will come to a show of mine in Denver if you're here. I will make money off of that. I, I Other will, than that, I could give a fuck what your story is, Braden, and I want you to go back where you came from. I feel I feel sympathy before the Braden on Brighton because I understand having been a, a Ben in Boulder uh, that that uh, I moved here and it was different. It was beautiful and it was so much. It it was a very positive place. The people were so laid back. I just I grew to love being here, and so I get it. I don't ever want to leave. This is this is where I live. This is my home now. Well, I'm, Andrew and I'm, I are I, drawing up some bills. That well, are you're really divorced with a kid here, so Senate. you can't leave. Welcome to my club, Ben. Yeah, you couldn't I mean, coming, leave if you wanted to. <laughs> coming, coming from a a, a, a a racist, backwards thinking place with no opportunity. Uh, yeah, I mean, I love Maine. I'm proud of the people I grew up around. I, I'm, 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 I love the people there. But um, being here just suits my personality a lot more, and I get why people come here. But I also do believe that the ch- the city is changing for the worst in a lot of ways with pricing people out that have been here for a long time and, uh, and i'll say this because i'm being real harsh on the new transplants to denver so i genuinely and i have jokes about this in my set i can't fault people for liking colorado everyone likes colorado and my parents moved here and loved colorado and set up shop and so you love colorado you came here and set up shop i can't knock you for that that's fucking great i do think some of the people that come here think that the city started the day they got here and they don't really give a shit about the past or what the effect of them coming here was or the pricing out of neighborhoods and gentrification and all that shit. So I encourage you, if you're new to Denver, uh, be interested in the history of it. And if you're new to Colorado, be interested in what was there before you. And I think Denver and Colorado is a chill, laid-back place that's always very welcoming. But we like it if you um, recognize that there were people that were here before you. And that goes all the way back to Native Americans who were here before fucking any of us. So just, like, look backwards a little bit and know where yeah, you try came to be from sem- sensitive to it. Yeah. And, and where, and the place where you're, where you're living. I guess that's my thing is both of you complaining about it. You, you realize you're on, you're on borrowed and stolen land. So, um, you yeah, know, by you. you guys complaining. Is there anything before this? 
<laughs> well, what a fun time we've had today. And I think that's a good place to stop. Uh, and what a rootin' tootin' dolphin shootin' good time we've had today, huh? Haven't we? Shit. I mean, the, I can't the... believe he hunted fucking dolphins. Who does that? Wow. Oh, wow. God. I, do, I don't eat meat. I. I... <laughs> <laughs> boy, they would hate me. The parents would oh, hate me. Oh boy, if me. you could meet that ancestor through some sort of fun time machine comedy, it would not end well for you. Well, I'm just shot, you can be a sergeant of music now. You should call yourself a sergeant of music. Oh, I'm sergeant of music for sure. <laughs> for sure. It's in my lineage. An anti-British sergeant of music. Oh no, I'm anti they fought the Americans. Yeah, bummer. Uh, anyway, um, let's do this. Why don't we take a quick break? Uh, why don't we listen to some live stand-up comedy again? As I said, uh, this the, this is the last Saturday of every month at the world-famous Bug Theater. We have a banger of a show coming up. Uh, this comic's so funny. Uh, started here, moved to New York. If you get a chance, make sure you check them out. Everybody enjoy Malawi Mengist. And when we come back, uh, we will have more show as well as we'll tease the next episode's challenge. So please stay tuned. Cool. Stupid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I moved to New York uh, about six months ago. Uh, yeah, I've been loving it. Uh, I've been loving it. Uh, but my favorite part about moving to New York was actually my flight over to New York, right? Uh, I fly south Southwest because I'm killing it. And uh, <laughs> it was the beginning of the flight where everyone's putting their uh, their uh, carry-ons in the overhead compartment, right? So I put up I put up my little duffel bag, and uh, I see this dude three rows back. He pulls up a pair of roller skates. And that was it. <laughs> That's all this dude brought to New York City. It was just a pair. Roller skates. Like, I followed him all the way to baggage claim, and he just left. And I was like, who... Who the fuck is this guy? Like, And, like, I was trying to put together his life story in my head, and this was, like, the only thing I could come up with, right? Like, I don't know if any of you guys have immigrant parents, but, like, when you have immigrant parents, they always tell you, like, you know, like, they always tell you the exact same story about how they first came to America. They're always like, when I first came to America, I only had $7 in my pocket, right? I was like, what if those roller skates were his $7? Like, <laughs> like what if he was sitting in Nigeria somewhere with a bootleg copy of Roll Bounds, and he was like, oh, shit, I'm going to be Nick Cannon one day. Like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> there are no cats in America, and the streets are filled with cheese. Thank you, everyone. What a uh, lovely immigrant <laughs> episode that was. They call Your me tone. the nightingale, but wow. They're pulling you wow. up from steerage to sing for the, the, the captain. I will sing for my dinner, boys. <laughs> Can you give us, give us another little... There are no another, cats in America, <laughs> and the streets are filled with cheese. Hey, Sergeant of Music, if you need a lieutenant of the pipes... Hmm? I'd like for you to lead us to slaughter, Adam. <laughs> I would love that if March you could. March me off the cliff first. I'm ready for war. <laughs> I just want to give a big shout out, a big thanks to my aunt, Suzanne Roy, playwright, author, extraordinaire. Uh, if you get a chance, check out her book, The Enclave and the sequels to that. If you get a chance, please check it out. You can get them on Amazon and whatnot. Oh, we're doing ant shout outs? Shit. <laughs> she, gave me, she gave me a lot of information for mine. She was an invaluable resource. She uh, She's awesome. And uh, so thank you aunt sues you rule Andrew, you got an aunt shout out oh hell yeah shouting out my aunt annie for telling me all about my grandma julia my aunt annie is named after uh my grandma's sister annie the of the infamous toilet flushing duo thank you for the info aunt annie <laughs> i'd like to shout out my aunt aunt Manie. She actually runs the family's ancestry.com. She knows a lot of this shit. And Aunt Manny has a store in Richmond, Virginia, Bygones Vintage Clothing. I've been there. It, it rules. Carrytown. Oh, that sounds nice. Oh, Carrytown. A light has shone upon my heart. <laughs> Lovely. Okay. Lovely. Thank <laughs> you for that. <laughs> uh, yeah. What do we got mm. going on? Oh, can I can I give a shout out? I'd like to say that the Grolix Live Show is going to be going on February. February 26th at the world famous Bug Theater. And what a bing banger of a lineup. Bing, You're going to want to wear your night pants for this one. Yeah. Don't wear your cozers to this one. Wear your night pants because Georgia Comstock is going to tell jokes. Uh, from the hit Netflix show Working Moms, uh, we have Ryan Belleville. He's an amazing character on that show.
show. If you love the show, come down and see him. And then from All Fantasy Everything podcast, Sean Jordan is going to be there. So make sure you get your tickets now before they sell out. He is dank. And I also want to plug my shows coming up March 4th and 5th at Helium in Indianapolis. So if you're in Indi- Indiana, uh, come on out to Indy and see me at Helium March 4th and 5th. Tickets on my website, adamkatenhollow.com. Uh, we also have a Patreon, which is the number one way to support us. It's at patreon.com slash saves. That link will also be in the show notes. Huge thanks to all the new folks who have joined. We've got three tiers that you can check out. You can get like a personalized greeting from Ben. Think of it like a discount cameo. <laughs> And one of the perks of being a Patreon supporter at the top level is buckle up birthday shout outs. Yeah. Yeah, baby. (laughs) Yep. It's like it's like your Ruby Tuesdays. All the servers start clapping. Who's coming out? It's us. It's your birthday shout outs. So what should we do? What should we do for the birthdays this month? I'm thinking we hear the name and their birthday and we say what their favorite band is. Just oh, I love it. First choice, best choice. Nice. That's a good one. That's a good one. You like that? I love it. Yeah. I'm going to throw the first one to you, Ben. Okay. It's a February 4th birthday. Long time, loyal Patreon supporter at the top level, Ryan Turch. Ryan oh Turch. Oh my God. Turch, Ryan Turch, baby. everybody knows. Big Queensryche fan. Oh, Queensryche. Okay. The, the official band of your friend's older brother in the yeah, 90s. Yeah. <laughs> Got into it kind of around the time that he really started playing Halo a lot. And it sure. seemed like the perfect Jake soundtrack. City. Whoa, and then it's just stayed with it. Man. And far beyond Silent Lucidity and the songs <laughs> that really broke them as being popular. He's got the the uh, the Queensryche uh, stabby looking Q thing Ooh, on his cap. Tight. He got that's a good spot calf. for it. Ben, I think yeah, that's but, cool. I think you're cool, and I think Ryan's cool. It's going to age well on the calf. <laughs> I love it. I love it. How about I hit this next one? I know this person, Adam, so I'm going to tee this one up for you, okay? Because she, she's great, a friend of mine, uh, and, a, and a loyal supporter. So I'm going to toss this one to you. You ready? Yo, yeah. Rebecca Fiore, February 18th. Happy birthday, Favorite musician or band? It's not a musician. It's a band. And it's the Fine Young Cannibals. Oh. She drives me crazy. Fine Young Cannibals, still great. Still a great band. Fun to listen to. Listen, I could go into as much depth as you could about the previous band. For sure. I know multiple albums and multiple songs by the Fine Young Cannibals. Besides, she drives me crazy. (laughs) However, we do not have the time. No, and and honestly... I will say Rebecca is just a fan of the hits, just the A sides of Fine Young Cannibals. I mean, they only have three good songs, but they're great songs, mm. and, 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 and I, I respect that. Start an yeah. FYC fan, an FYC fan, still. You I know? think it's indicative of a hesitancy of, of digging deep into her own self. But certainly yeah. into the band. So, Rebecca, this next year, maybe dig a little deeper personally and into FYC. But I hope it's a great year for you. Yeah, yeah. Andrew, do you want to take one of these? Want to try? Oh, I couldn't possibly. You two are on a roll. Just just keep steamrolling along. Good choice. You'll just ruin it. Yeah, no, just stay on the bench. We'll call you when the game starts. <laughs> I'll take this last one. I would love to. I will tee you up, my friend. Um, we know this dude. We love this dude. He's a supporter, a great artist, a great friend. February 22nd birthday, Elliot Lang. Oh, love Elliot. Oh, that's easy. Ugly Kid Joe. <laughs> and and one of the people that has always liked Ugly Kid Joe. Sure, from the and jump. And he second. Wow. Everything about I get sick when I'm. He loves that song. Ugly Kid Joe, the other official band of your friend's older brother in the 90s. (laughs) (laughs) Well, happy birthday, Elliot. And please enjoy these two complimentary tickets to the Ugly Kid Joe cruise. (laughs) Leaving out of Galveston, March 5th. You're on it with the person of your choice, Elliot. Happy birthday. What a fun birthday shout out. Happy birthday, Ryan, Rebecca, Elliot. Thanks for supporting us. This don't work without you. And if you want a birthday shout out where we really get to know you and celebrate you, why don't you join us on Patreon at the top motherfucking level. And we also have a podcast within a podcast only for Patreons called Boy Crazy. And you can expect a new one right around the corner. If you don't already, please, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram at Grawlix Comedy. 
um, reach out. Tell us about your family's immigration story or tell us what you think about Denver transplants. If you are one, why did you come here? What were you fleeing from where you came from? We love to hear from you. Please reach out to us at Grawlix Comedy. And I want to issue a sincere thanks to our producer, Rustic Sodbuster Ron Doyle. Thank you for all that you do. And thanks to Mike Henderson for your help recording at the live show. We appreciate all that you do, bud. Our theme music, as always, is by the genealogical hodgepodge, Charlie Intercontinental. Oh, I see what you did there, bro. You're back. You're back. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, guys, I'm wondering. Yeah, what you wondering? (laughs) I'm wondering what we do next time. I got an idea. You do? I'm going to surprise you motherfuckers with a challenge. Oh, Oh, God. Last time we did that, we all got hit with a spatula. Well, this time you're about to get hit with some killer ratings from whatever I'm about to spring on you guys. Do people do ratings for podcasts? I don't think we're on them. God, I hope not. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, We're about to be canceled, but... I don't care, because at least I get to say, Voyage out, Charlie!